Save the King! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the King. I'm your host, but I'm back again with my good friend, Daily Mirror Royal Editor, Russell Myers. Lovely to see you, Russell. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm very well. I'm very well. It's uh, been a busy week. Been a busy, been a busy few week. days, isn't it? The King is a whole year older than when we last spoke. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose technically, yeah. Um, and it's been a, yeah, it's been a, a week of celebrations. He certainly ekes it out. Well, I'm a big fan of birthdays. You've got to you've got to celebrate them, make the most of it, and just all the cake, all the presents, all the parties, and having parties when you can is a good thing to get into because you know it's no good everybody having a really nice time at your funeral when you could have got together and been part of the party earlier on that's my that's my moral in life have the parties when you can um right what have we got we've got charles yeah so charles's birthday the latest you know round of revelations accusations allegations i don't know insider stories in um the omen scoby book end games out i mean the crown has landed as well and that's the final series i'm going to be showing Princess Diana's death. So that's all going on. And then it's also been the week of the Remembrance Service, which is always such a poignant time and the royal family plays such a major part of it and recognizing the important work that the armed services do all year, all year round. And then Kate had her, her symposium yesterday with her Shaping Us project. So I mean so much going on. Where to even start? I think I'm going to start with um do we know whether Prince Harry did phone his daddy or not? on his birthday what is our understanding because it's been a bit of to and fro did he didn't he he was going to maybe it happened maybe it didn't happen a nice little video from Lilibet and Archie wishing him a you know singing happy birthday which I think any grandparents would love to receive um the, the grandchildren doing a bit of singing what do we know about what happened um what's your understanding Russell well, beware of imitations, because I can tell you that the call definitely did happen. And uh, and certainly he did also receive a, uh, a video message from Archie and uh, and Lily. Um, I'm not sure where this story sort of emerged. I mean, well, the first one that obviously emerged that the BBC were briefed that Harry would be calling his dad uh, to wish him happy birthday. Apparently he does this every year. I mean, it's probably a bit more surprising this year, seeing as they haven't spoken for for many many months and um you you can hark all the way back to the sort of the queen's funeral was the last time they really spoke face to face because even when harry was here for his father's coronation he was in and out quick as a flash I and mean, he was straight on the plane it was barely 24 hours he was here coming in and uh, and being there to sort of show face support his father i don't think he would have wanted to miss that big moment in charles's life and uh, but but certainly their relations have been very very strained and uh, to put it mildly I mean we're still reeling from his uh, his memoir Spare we've obviously spoken a lot about that everybody will be well versed in in uh, in who came under under fire in the in the book so where where are relations now I mean speaking to people yesterday there were some that were saying you know this could be the sort of green shoots of a new relationship and certainly there is a feeling in the camp that if there were to be no other you know bumps in the road i suppose and mudslinging then there is definitely um a way back for harry and his relationship with his father because the the, the old verse that's been troped out is that charles loves his two sons dearly 
he doesn't want to make any distinction despite everything that's happened. But I suppose as a side note, you look at um, Harry's relationship with his brother and, and that is absolutely strained to put it mildly. And um, And I've always been told that he will not speak again in terms of the way that Har- um, William feels at the moment. And you can kind of understand why, because William is getting on with the job. Um, he sees his role as now preparing himself for, well, settling into the role, I suppose, as the Prince of Wales and then preparing his role for kingship. And he's got a he's got a pretty busy job in his hands. Three children at home, I suppose, you know, causing me <laughs> any chance with anyone who's ever uh, ever known sort of growing children. And it's the the issue with Harry is that I, I as I've always said, I think they really need a period of reflection to potentially maybe look at whether things could have been done differently. Is there, um, yeah, perhaps uh, could there have been a different way of thinking? Was it a bit? sort of knee-jerk, the way that every, everything went down. I, I've always thought that it was, but the argument on their side would be that they wanted a reaction. They wanted to get their story out there before um, before their stock fell, which I guess it kind of has at the moment. We haven't really heard a lot from them. Um, again, talking bumps in the road, you've had the, the Netflix deals faltering, the Spotify deal ending... And I suppose they are trying to find their way in the world. And yet you have the sort of burning embers of this relationship that has been completely destroyed because of Harry's actions. Again, on the flip side, Harry would say, well, it's because of his family's actions and he wants an apology or some sort of acknowledgement that things didn't go to plan at several junctures in his life. Um, And of course, we'll come on to the new book that is sort of raking over all the old coals later. But... I I think that it's a good thing that Harry did reach out. The, the call was accepted. It was gratefully received. No doubt Charles, as uh, a grandfather, would, would really welcome an opportunity to hear and see his grandchildren, um, who he cares for very much. So perhaps this is the olive branch that people... I think I've banned that phrase, haven't I? So perhaps this... We need a new phrase. Perhaps this just is a chance of new beginnings. How about that? Ray of hope. That's yes. Cool. So yeah, and that is a positive. And everything has to start somewhere. So let's hope that this is the start, and they can build on it. Although, um, I mean, you said you said later we'll get onto the new book. Let's go on to the new book now, and then we'll, we'll return it. to the rest of Charles's birthday in a bit. But um, yeah, so the new book. There's a lot of end, end game. I mean, it's pretty. It's title, isn't it? Yeah, but it's also it's also a Samuel Beckett play, I think, which is which is weird and surreal. But um, I mean, which could also be some words that are used to describe the royal family, I think. But anyway, um, what? How much of how much of it is new? How much of it is a retelling? Um, you know, what have we, what have we learned? And how much damage does it do to those any rays of hope, or you know, throwing more? putting more nails in the coffin of the relationship with William. Well, I I mean, there's going to be a book a week, isn't there? I mean, there's always a royal book to come out and there's always people, as I use the phrase again, raking over old coals. I don't think uh, the royal family will take a moment's notice out of this. I think the damage was done uh, way back when, when Omid Scobie and Carolyn Durand wrote Finding Freedom. We then had the the details coming out in the High Court case that there was some 
you know, collaboration, perhaps through the back door, they were instructing aides to maybe leak certain bits of information. They didn't necessarily sit down with the authors, but I think that we we can determine that that was cooperation enough in order to try and get that book and their story, or at least their their truth, to coin a phrase, out there. I think this is, from what we've seen, I mean, the book is out on November 28th. Uh, It's been serialised in People magazine in the US. It dropped yesterday afternoon here in the UK. My main takeaways from it, and there are a few, but I won't you know, go th- through them all laboriously, but Harry kept in the dark over the Queen's ailing health. We kind of knew that anyway, because he's discussed it in the spare. But I think that the details, again, of the call from Charles, him telling him not to bring Meghan, saying that it was protocol because Kate wasn't there. We already know that Kate wasn't going to be at Balmoral because her children had started their first day at a new school after them moving to Windsor. But again, it just brings you sort of up to speed once more of how wrecked the relationship was between Harry and his family and the lack of trust there. And that that goes on to the fact that Harry felt that he had to beg his family in order to not release the uh, or announce the the late Queen's passing before he was actually at Balmoral. But again, he had arrived there so late. I mean, he didn't get there, if my memory serves me correctly, till about seven o'clock. The Queen had passed away at 10 past three. The announcement wasn't made till till 6.30. And then he discovered that his, uh, his grandmother had passed away after landing in Scotland and turning on his phone and seeing an alert from the BBC. So he, he, description of him feeling crushed at that moment. I think this is just more the, the, the rhetoric is all about Harry being the victim and not really having an appreciation for what had happened in the months leading up to that. And the, the the process that Harry had been in order to you know really sow the seeds of that relationship being um, being completely destroyed, and and it's no wonder that he was texting William to ask how he and Kate would be going up to Scotland, and his just his messages were were left unheard, so or uh, uh, not responded to, and and I guess that leads you on to the fact that William and Harry's relationship is perhaps beyond repair because again my understanding is William doesn't see any way back for the for the relationship it's certainly something that he feels he can't speak to him again there's still um, a lot of anger in the camp talk of in uh, in Endgame of William thinking that Harry is a defector he's been brainwashed by therapy damaged by the amount of therapy that he's had and that he doesn't know, want to to know his brother in his current form. So, uh, again, I, I think that if Harry is to find a way back into the royal fold, and certainly not as a as a working royal, but just being invited round for um for Christmas lunch or, or birthday parties like we had this week with the kings, then it it certainly has to start with his father, and it needs for his father to just you know put his arm around him, perhaps want more, and say bygones are bygones but there was definitely other members of the family that feel that harry went more than a step too far and um and perhaps there's no way back for him so you mentioned the the party and i think there was that was again a was he invited wasn't he invited um to the well i I, I I clarify this as well because this was an original report in the sunday times which was then saying that uh, again i thought i'm quite unfairly because my understanding was that he hadn't been invited um 
but this spoke of him snubbing the party that he wasn't going to turn up. And I think that's why his team were pushing quite aggressively to some of the friendly media that he was going to reach out and speak to his, his, his dad on his birthday. Now, the the party that took place, um, there's been several parties for Charles, both as a, a working day or working week as it was, but the, the sort of friends and family party, about 50 people invited. Um, this was really to do with the fact that it was a close-knit group and that Harry's attention uh, attendance probably would have taken away from that moment, which was the King's 75th birthday. And it's not very many monarchs who get to that stage. I think my uh, research serves me correctly that the King Harold of Norway is actually the oldest king, and I think he's 86 at the moment. Um, you know, Charles is reaching, even though he just started this job, he's, he's already reached these retirement years, and, and for some people that would be their twilight years, wouldn't it? But he's, he's definitely fighting fit and being out and about with him this week. I can certainly testify to that. But would have would have Harry's attendance been welcome? Maybe by Charles, certainly by not other members of his family. So it's probably best that he wouldn't have gone. Anyway, had he been invited, he probably wouldn't have gone. But who knows? We we can't speak for him in that moment. However, again, his team was was saying that there was been no contact from the king. There'd been no contact from Buckingham Palace, and I think that. Again, it's that's a long, long way off. I think there's there's going to be the green sheets of conversations, and maybe there'll be contact over Christmas, exchanging of presents and whatnot. And maybe the children are, as they often are in families, the key to trying to mend broken relationships between parents who are quarrelling or adults who are quarrelling, rather. And 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 therefore, um, perhaps Charles will want to see his grandchildren. I doubt he'll be making it over to California anytime soon, but maybe there's an opportunity for Harry in the next year or so, if he can get a, a moment in the King's Diary, which is getting busier and busier, to, to try and you know, beat up with his dad and, and, and hug it out. Hug it out. Oh, Russell. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. I'm, so, I'm nice. softening my old age, you see. <laughs> Oh, can you imagine? I mean, I think Harry would be quite up for hugging it out. I'm not quite sure that Charles, I don't know, be a hugger? Well, we saw in the crown that he put his hand on his knee when he was announcing his mother's death. So perhaps hugging it is a bit is a touch too far. So, well, yeah, hopefully, hopefully this involves. But it, you know, when you've not really been speaking to people, you can't really expect to get an invitation to a birthday party. And it would be super orcs if you did then end up going. It just, I don't know. There's there's so much um, troubled water has passed that needs to be some behind like mm. pri- private and behind closed doors and even the the sort of the i was about to say olive branch but found it i have to put a pound in the yeah. tin in the swear box um <laughs> you know that 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 is known i don't know it's it's weird isn't it when you that's that's the nature of being royal family and in the public eye and and you don't get that full um sort of separated time and, and space to to deal with these things but um you mentioned how busy charles is and he definitely used his 75th birthday as a force for good. So Harry also hopefully has used it for a force for good by reaching out and, and being in touch. But Charles, you know, two two major initiatives, I guess, and a nice reception for nurses at Buck- and midwives at Buckingham Palace as part of the NHS's 75th birthday celebrations. And then also using it um, to launch the Coronation Food Project sort of around his birthday time um, around food waste and food poverty. So big initiative there 
Yeah, he's like one of these people in an office who is just constantly talking about their birthday and it makes it last several weeks and you know it's their birthday. Maybe this wasn't his own doing, but he, he had a few parties. He had another one at Highgrove where he was telling guests he was going to give them doggy bags of the cake. Um, this was uh, part of a celebration of sort of local community heroes serenaded. I've lost count of the amount of choirs he's been serenaded by this week. He had the rock choir, 60 guests singing to him, congratulating him. Uh, this was the day before his birthday. So this was on the on the Monday in the Orchard Room, and the, which is the visitors' tea room in the at Highgrove. Um, listening to West Country-based members of the rock choir performing classical hits, so hits. So I imagine he was toe tapping to that. And then, as you say, his birthday was actually a working day. So he was in Oxford launching the Coronation Food Project, which we've spoken about before. That's had a, a lot of coverage this week, and um, and well, it should as well, because the uh, front cover, uh, new picture by esteemed photographer Rankin on the front cover of the uh, of the big issue, the Homeless Magazine in the UK. Did you see him palming the tenor off? Very good. Very good. Do the Royal Family Calorie Cash. And I think I think well, you might do. be confusing me with one of your other TV or uh, radio girlfriends because um, I don't think we've talked about the food project before. So we'll share a little with the listeners about what it what it is. Well, the food project is created by the king and, excuse me, is sort of um, enhancing the work of the Felix project, which is taking food that would go to waste uh, from local restaurants and supermarkets and trying to get it back into the community before it goes off because there are tons and tons of food that is wasted every day in this country that could be going to needy families or needy community groups and so the coronation food project is part of charles's um momentum to to give back during his first year and i think that this is something that he thought about for a long time how who could he in, uh, enhance the not only the coronations that happen in May, but try and make it a project that would have real legs and a real legacy. And so um, he went to a food distribution centre in Oxford. And as I said, it was in conjunction with the announcement on the Big Issue magazine. If you haven't seen that picture, it's a fantastic image uh, taken by Rankin, who had previously photographed the Queen, I think for her 75th birthday as well. And so you, you're looking at what Charles is doing at the moment and it's very very much getting out into the community um again on the same day the nurses uh reception at Buckingham Palace which was held in the stateroom I mean I was there it's like a mosh pit there was like people clambering over to get to Charles as like 400 nurses and healthcare workers lots of people from the Commonwealth and around the world, nurses who have come over to the UK there's a refugee program and it's a huge melting pot and he loved it. And I was with, speaking to one of his senior aides and they sort of just tapped me on, nudged me uh, on the arm and just said, look at, look at him. He's absolutely in his element. And it was, it was like a mosh pit. He was surrounded by people. And they're clambering over, putting their arms out, wishing him happy birthday. Uh, just before the choir came on, he got up on stage and was singing Lean On Me by Bill Withers and then everybody breaking out into song. It was a very, very jolly affair. And I suppose... It's not making it about him. And the more I've got to know Charles, he gets a rough rep sometimes. And I think that he is very, very focused on community issues and trying to make his, I mean, we're beyond his first year now, but are we? But I, I've, I've spoken before about how this is 
the chance over the next two to five years to really cement his legacy. And what are those moments? It's go, it's, it's obviously going to be um, involvement with the Commonwealth like we had in Kenya. And uh, no doubt we're going to have in Canada and Australia next week. But closer to home, it's about what people value in this country. And certainly it's the NHS's 75th birthday this year, as well as his own milestone. So that sort of... Um, bringing together of his birthday and the organisations was a, was a, was a great shout. Has your opinion changed of him over the last year then? Does it, do you feel like you know him better in some way or see him differently because there's more, I don't know, possibly more focus on Charles visits and, and jobs than there would have been before when he was kind of a bit sandwiched between the queen's final months and the, the now prince and princess of Wales when they were the Cambridges. Yeah, I suppose it hasn't changed, but I've seen he's just been super busy. I mean, we're seeing him and Camilla out on regular occasions. I mean, that's been a sort of gripe of mine about members of the family not doing enough, I suppose. Whether that's been labelled at the Prince and Princess of Wales before is uh, another story. Uh, incidentally, interestingly, that William said in Singapore last week that uh, they were concentrating on sort of small, smaller number but bigger issues. And that probably is why we don't see them out and about across the UK. I mean, there have been two really important engagements this week, which we'll come on to in a minute. But I think that they have a very different way of working. And that is plainly evident now to the king and queen, because the king and queen are very, very community focused. They want to get out across the UK. They want to make sure that their and again, I look at the next two to five years being mapped out in front of them. What is their legacy, um, which will be very, very much UK focused? So you mentioned the uh, the Wales's big events this week. So Kate had her Shaping Us symposium yesterday, which is a big deal. Um, and, you know, part of one of those big projects. What did you make of it? Well, I'm never too much enthralled about the word symposium or uh, or symposium. Okay, symposium. Symposium. Well, I mean, however, I think when we look at what it was, it certainly was billed as a landmark moment for Kate. Um, a really important speech that she was making yesterday. Um, it bringing together not only experts in the field, but we had real heavyweights. Uh, William Hague, Lord Hague, as he is now, Sir Tony Blair, the former Labour Prime Minister. And you had these two people at the end, different, different ends of the political spectrum coming together for Kate's big moment. And certainly I thought the campaign Shaping Us, which was announced in January, is is getting legs and it is actually being listened to. And when you're looking for a news line in these sorts of things. There were several because the Princess of Wales talking for action at every level. And that sort of, to me, was straying into the political field. Certainly her aides were saying, you know, we're not trying to change policy here. We're trying to just make lives better for generations of children. And I suppose Kate is talking about societal skills, the fact that these future plans for this early years crusade that she is on, really needs to target the most vulnerable in society, not just kids, but adults can help out as well. And then you just left it over to the, the politicians to say, you know, we really do need help from government. And of course, they can say that now, not being in government, but it's going to need an awful lot of um, shift from the government. It's going to need an awful lot of money. And I suppose Kate has that star quality to, order to bring these people together. So when you're not, when you're trying to, 
sort out what this all means. It's, certainly, this was based on scientific research that had been done, talking about global frameworks for emotional development, nurturing skills for children. All this boils down to relationships. And I think that Kate can bring these people together. And when you're looking at who she had on the stages with her yesterday and what she said in her speech, um, one of the, the directors of the Royal Foundation Centre for Early Childhood, a chap called Christian Guy, said, it's almost a manifesto for social and emotional skills. And I think that that is pointedly what it is because she's putting out her manifesto for these this is what I want to do over the next few years. So it is slowly, slowly gathering speed, this. And again, when you look at William's homelessness crusade, you look at Earthshot, these are 10-year projects. And I think that this will be a decade and beyond for Kate. So whilst may, some people may criticise it and say, you know, kind of what does this mean? It is definitely laying the foundations for something bigger long term. And um, and I think, you know, talk about life's work. That, that is definitely going to be one, one of her major ones. And William's up in Manchester today for an announcement of his own. He is. And again, this is pretty important as well. I mean, this is sort of slipped under the radar because I think so much attention was put up on the uh, symposium yesterday. But William is in Manchester today in an area called Moss Side. And I think it's uh, fair to say Moss Side has been renowned for being um, having its issues in society and social behaviour. But he has again, through the Royal Foundation and the Mayor of Greater Manchester, friend of the Mirror, Andy Burnham, former Labour politician. They have got together with Manchester City Council. They've raised uh, £100,000 in private funding and they are going to give it to community projects trying to bring about, and I quote, a tangible impact to the communities visited by the Prince and Princess of Wales. So, what does this mean? Youth violence is a major, major problem in areas of Manchester, such as Moss Side. You know, kids, I suppose this comes into the early years as well, doesn't it? So you can imagine the conversations over the dinner table. How can we try and make the biggest change and long lasting effects into children's lives? Well, it's young kids that are dropping out of school. They're getting into uh, gangs. There's youth violence. There's drugs on their doorsteps. And there's these societal issues that certainly William and Kate think that they can change for the better. So we must applaud them for it. It's something that we should get behind. There's this alliance, they're calling it, from these different um, aspects. And they're going to be working with young people from as young as 10 up the way up to 25. And um, these kids are, you know, these people are, are at risk of being prone to those societal ills and and let's see and let's see how how far this goes because i think with the correlation between the 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 larger projects this is my reading of the situation that it's something that the royal foundation is really trying to not turn up and you know open a hospital or open a wing or you know pull open a plaque it's trying to make the biggest change over the longest term possible and uh, and i think that's the vein running through their work at the moment Interesting. It'll be interesting to see how it evolves. Um, mentioned at the top of the show, remembrance is obviously a, a very particular time for the royal family. It's one of those um, you know, sort of calendar points in the year when we when we see them come out en masse. Um, but I think it's also now one of the ones where we really see how slimmed down the royal family is. Because if you think back to when, you know, not that long ago, you'd have had the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh and not the not the current ones because we still have a queen and a duke of edinburgh but the queen elizabeth and prince philip and 
you know, Andrew and Charles and Anne and William and Harry all, and, you know, various other people as well, all involved in the cenotaph commemorations and all, you know, laying wreaths and in their military uniforms. And whereas now, you know, Camilla and Kate are both on the balcony. You've got Charles, you've got um, Anne, you've got William, you've got Edward, and there's um, oh, like one more duke, and that's it. And it's, mm. it's it's a very slimmed down grouping. Well, it's going to be even more slimmed down in the next few years. Duke and Duchess Lostage will no doubt um, retire, I suppose. They are in their late 70s, if I'm not mistaken. And so obviously the Duke of Kent wasn't there for, from episodic mobility problems. That phrase you will remember from the Queen's final months. She wasn't attending remembrance services and and, uh, and other engagements due to these issues that she had moving around. I think the Duke of Kent is in his late 80s, I would say, and 87, 88. And so Princess Alexandra, she's had her, um, her health issues as well. So the pool is is really decreasing. And, and on that point, I actually feel for William and Kate and, and, and Charles and Camilla, because I think there, there, is, a, there is a case to, to have other players at hand, you know, could this be the York sisters? Do do they have something to offer? You, if I ever speak to people who work with York sisters, they only ever speak to them in glowing terms. Of course, people may not necessarily speak to journalists in other terms that they about those two girls. However, women, I, I, women, they are grown up women now. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I, they are grown up women now, and you're right. And so the 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 issue for the royal family is is it palatable after charles has spoken about um just been down monarchy for so long there is the pressures financially that is coming from the public i suppose the government um they've spent a load of money on doing up buckingham palace no doubt charles wants to open more of it to reclaim some of that money for the public purse uh, and I, I suppose if they put a bit a lot of pressure on themselves as princess anne said in one of her interviews i think it was earlier in the year you know, gosh, there's not a lot of us left, is there? So you're talking about slim down. How can he get any more slim down? And is we're way off having the Wales children as part of the royal fold. And by that point, it's you're going to have you're not going to have Princess Anne really doing as many jobs as she has at the moment. Um, She'll still be doing them when she's 137. Of course she will. Russell. Of course she will. But she's she's 73 now, and he's uh, I suppose. Yeah, she probably will be doing things into her 80s. She's super fit, isn't she? But uh, again, it, it must be said that there is a smaller pool for them to draw on. And and that creates its own pressures as well. The, um, the, the remembrance sort of marking at Royal Albert Hall is always a special, you know, it's concert and, and ritual and the poppies falling from the roof is always very beautiful. But there's a, there's a special moment before the um, the service this year as well with the unveiling of the two new statues of the late Queen and Prince Philip. Um, four statues. We, four statues. Because oh. obviously around the, around the corner, there's the uh, the Queen Victoria and Prince Albert one. And now these are, these are complementing the, the, uh, the, the quartet. What do you make of them? Well, they're pretty big, aren't they? They're life size. And Charles was desperate to get in, but I think Ian McKellen had been waffling on for, for quite a while. And he was looking at his watch and apparently being a bit uh, perturbed by the fact that he was being kept out in the cold. But no, I quite liked them, actually. I think I they're, really like, they're pretty decent. 
I really like the one of um, Prince Philip and that sort of sense of movement and catching him. I, I do like the way that the Queen is captured in sort of a very regal, more still pose. But when I sort of zoomed in the face, it kind of reminded me as much of Imelda Staunton and the crown as it did of of the actual um, the actual queen. But I shall look forward, hopefully, to seeing them in in real life before too long and getting a a closer look at them. I mean, I every time I go to the Royal Albert Hall um, and and all of that area around there, because you have the Victorian Albert uh, Victorian Albert Museum and everything as well. But just thinking about you know how much Victoria loved Albert and built that blinking hall for him it's like that's can't get away these couple days, goals yeah. couple goals it's a good one um mentioned the crown you've watched you've had a, a look at the first half what do you make of it well i mean it's beautifully shot once more i mean i sort of fell out of love with the crown probably around series end of series four i mean gillian anderson i loved as margaret thatcher but series five but this is masterful i mean it's obviously going to have its detractors because it's it's bring it's so emotive. You're talking about Diana's death, it, but the way that it was approached, and I think um, Elizabeth Debicki, who plays Princess Diana, amazingly well. She's got all the mannerisms, the head tilts, the voices on point. She looks exactly like Diana at the time, and so when you're looking at it as an overall package, I thought it was masterful. Some of the issues I had with it were. Um, I didn't like the introduction of Diana's ghost. I thought that was a bit macabre. I didn't like, um, I mean, you know, Mohammed Al-Fayed is basically painted as this evil baron sitting in his lair, orchestrating um, press photographers to snap his own son and how he was the sort of matchmaker from hell. But I I did think it was very um, expertly managed in the sense that it wasn't gratuitous, the... The de- obviously the crash wasn't shown you, but you had a lead up to it. The tension built, and I thought Diana and Charles came off it quite favourably because Charles is uh, is seen as quite um, worried about Diana. He said that he's proud of her. He wanted to try and have a cordial, good relationship for the sake of their two children, and he was the one, if you are to believe the crown, um, really forcing the Queen's hand in terms of trying to get her down to London, having the state funeral, having her show some emotion. And then Imelda Staunton is this sort of stoic figure who's fiercely saying, you know, I don't necessarily need to be the grandmother of the nation. I'm the grandmother to these two boys who have lost their mother. So it was, it was, um, it was, I thought, expertly navigated in that sense. And you don't see issues like the children having been told that their mother has died. It's just led to a scene being played out. Um, and I think I think fans of The Crown will like it. I've seen very, very um, opposing reviews this uh, this week, but I, I can I can I probably give it a four out of five, I would say. Well, I'm glad you only went out of five because I thought if I could say four out of ten, that would be a bit hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do we have to look forward to? Well, I mean, there's there's plenty going on, and I think that. I can't tell you anything for next week, unfortunately. But I think Please. that we're gonna, we Please. are going to see a sort of ramping up of engagements right the way through to Christmas. I think Christmas is an important time. It's the 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 king's 
chance to get his family back together again. Um, will we see Harry invited? No doubt he will be, but I doubt they will be attending any of the Christmas celebrations at Sandringham this year. Um, and it all leads up to a massive 2024. I've already said you're going to get big, big tours. You're going to get more out and about from from the, from the main royals. And and this vein of William and Kate kind of setting up their stall for these smaller number but bigger um, issues types engagements is is all there to play for next year. Wow, very good. Um, I'm not proposing that we sing out with happy birthday to the king because I don't <laughs> think the world is ready for that. And we're not going to play Damien Lewis singing the uh, singing the national oh, anthem gosh, again. No, <laughs> either. Please spare um, us. Both of which, I mean, if, if Charles was having that many birthday parties, I can understand why he was rolling his eyes when that other rendition, the people were offering to sing him happy birthday again. But um, hopefully he's been enjoying the cake. And uh, listeners, if you've been having, having a birthday this week, I hope you had a lovely time and had some excellent cake and uh, were royally spoiled in your own way. Thank you for joining us again this week. Make sure you're signed up to Russell's newsletter so you can get all his thoughts in uh, in straight into your inbox once a week as well as listening to him expand on them even more here um we hope you've enjoyed the show whether you've been i don't know driving doing the washing up making a birthday cake whatever it might be thank you for joining us and we'll see you next week until next time pod save the king 